Right, why don't we have the children head out to Children's Church at this time. Last week we concluded together the um, study we did on the vital signs, how we can tell whether the life of God is moving in abundance in us or not. Uh, There was this passage that's up on the screen that we referred to that I wanted to go back to. Uh, In Matthew 21, 18 and 19, we read this story where it said, In the morning, as he was returning to the city, uh, he became hungry. This is Jesus. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. So in context of last week discussing the vital sign of generosity, we kind of recognized in this story we see the reality of the nature of our existence. One, loss is compulsory. What we have will be lost. It will be taken away at some point. Everything we have is borrowed. It will be returned to that which we borrowed it from. But generosity is not compulsory. Generosity is voluntary. It is us willing to share what we have with um, those around us. And so when Jesus interacts with this tree, God in the beginning gave all green plants to us for food. He looks at this tree that is supposed to be providing food. It is supposed to be uh, generous. It is not generous, and so that which it has will be taken away from it. This is a principle we were discussing last week that goes throughout the entire Bible, that everything you have is borrowed. If you are not generous with what you have been given generously, then what you have, even what you have, will be taken away. This passage echoes a, this is the uh, true life story of a prophecy that Jeremiah had predicted back in Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 13. God says, when I would gather them, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine nor figs on the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered, and what I gave them has passed away from them. Again, echoing this concept that as we go from life, God expects that there is supposed to be a fruit, a generosity that comes out of us. We are supposed to have something to share, and when we do not, even that which we have is taken away. Now, I go back to this because it really, that that story, this passage, this prophecy connects with the truth that I want us to hit with here as we are rounding out basically the year discussing vitality. And that is in the very beginning of this passage where he says, when I would gather them. Not if I gather, but when I would gather them. He says he expects fruit to be on the tree. So at this time of year, it just made a a lot of sense to me that we would look at this topic, and that is the topic of the harvest. That God is going, God is going to gather. Everything that is on the earth, God is going to gather to himself one day. There is a harvest where God is going to come to us as his Uh, as the trees that he has planted by the Spirit. The Word of God came into us as a seed. It it, it grows, and it is supposed to produce fruit. And there is that day when God is going to come, and he's going to reap what he has sown. 
He is going to look at us and see if there is fruit for him to harvest from us. That day is going to come, okay? Now, if we, that's what Jeremiah was talking about, that's what Jesus was talking about. If we are vitally alive, if we have vitality, abundant life, the end result of that is fruit. If you have wondered what is the purpose of everything, all of it, it is to be fruitful. So when God created Adam and Eve and he set them in the garden and he set them to rule over it, he gave them a very clear instruction. That instruction that he gave them was to physically go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. Go and produce. Go and make. Transform this world, change this world, have offspring, increase and subdue this earth. It was our purpose. The purpose of being fruitful was always there. So it should not surprise us as everything that everything that is physical is mirrored in everything that is spiritual. That so now God through Jesus has called us to also go and be fruitful and there will be a harvest when God comes and collects this fruit. This is, fruitfulness is exactly what the kingdom is all about. It is what the church is all about. So Jesus, Mark chapter 4 verses 26 to 29, he says this. uh, And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should go and scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So Jesus says, look, if you want to understand the kingdom, and in and, and many of his uh, parables, he likens it to this concept of sowing and reaping and the harvest that is to come. He says in order to understand what the kingdom is all about, the kingdom is a seed that has been planted in you all over this place. Does this seed take root? If it takes root, does it sprout? If it sprouts, does it grow? If it grows, does it, does it produce the blade? Does the blade then produce the ear? And does the ear ripen until it is full with grain? Because that's the point. And when it is ripe and it is full, The farmer grabs a sickle and he harvests it and he brings it in. He collects that which he intended to be produced. So this harvest day, this day of harvest is coming. It is promised from the beginning. It is is coming. When a farmer plants the seed into the ground each spring, he does so with the intent that there will be a harvest on the other end. This says, I mean, he can't control it. He can't control the weather. He can't control the sun. He can't control any of that. But what he can control is he puts his hand to the work in trusting and knowing that there is going to be a harvest. And he works day and night. He works from sowing to harvest. To make sure 
that when that harvest comes, he is not left without. So if the entire the entirety of understanding this kingdom of God, if it can be boiled down to the fact that God has planted seeds and we are preparing for the harvest of the fruit that is in us, then ultimately this is the question I want us to be asking as we go into this harvest season, especially as we go into the time of Thanksgiving. And that question is this, has my life produced a harvest to be gathered? Now, sometimes we think, well, that's not necessarily a fair question. It almost sounds like maybe we're talking about a salvation of works, but we are not talking about that. Because if the seed that God has planted in us is watered and grows by the power of God, it will produce fruit. God has placed His Holy Spirit in you. That which you could not do without the presence of God in you, you now can do because of His presence in you. God in me allows me to do what I could not do before. So I respond in faith, live by faith. But that requires that there be fruit. We're going to see that over the next couple of weeks as we, as we look at this concept of the harvest. Harvest. So this is, should be a fair question. I'm going to challenge you to go and read Matthew chapter 25 because we're not going to, I'm not going to get, I'll read a part of it a little bit later, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. Matthew 25 is a story, uh, telling stories of the harvest. It is telling tales of the fact that you and I, when the end comes, there is something required of us. There is fruit required of us. There is preparation required of us. It begins with the story of the ten verses virgins who gather together there has been a a, a wedding the bride and the groom are heading to the place where they're going to have the big celebration and people are lining up at the door in order to get in because no one gets in until they do and so these 10 virgins are standing outside and they've got their lamps uh, to keep them lit so that they are ready they're ready to go in but the bride and the groom are delayed And as the time goes on, the five of the virgins find that they they really don't have much oil left. So the call comes ringing out through the streets. Here they come. They're making their way. And so they're still far off. But the bride and the groom are making their way to the place of celebration. And these five realize we're not going to have enough in order to make it until the groom and the bride get here. And so they go to the other five virgins and they say, share some of our oil. Share some of your oil with us. They go, we can't do that. This, they, if we share with you, then we're not going to have enough. And they refuse. They say, go buy your own. So these five, they go off and they go and buy some more. But while they are gone, The bride and the groom show up, they go inside, everyone who was waiting goes inside, everyone who was prepared. When the other five get there, they find the door shut, they knock on it, they're not allowed in. You were not here when I arrived. You were not ready. The question in this story is not whether or not they knew the bride and groom. The question in this story is not whether they wanted to be a part of the celebration. They most certainly did. The question in this story is, were they or were they not prepared? Did they have what it takes at the end? Then we go to the next story, which is the parable of the talents. Go and read that, right? Uh, the, The master of the house is going away on a trip, and so he hands off to his servants different allotments of responsibility. 
And then he leaves. The two that receive the most, they go and put it to work and they double it. They have a harvest. They take what has been given them and they produce more out of it. The one guy, he got one. He said, no, nah, I'm, I'm terrified. I know the master, he, you know, he's not necessarily even a fair guy. So I'm going to go and I'm going to hide this in the ground. He goes and he hides it so no one can steal it. He's terrified of losing it, won't lose it. And then when the master comes back, he digs it back up. The first two bring in the original plus the gain, the harvest, if you will. They hand it to the master, and the master says, well done. You guys are amazing. In fact, I'm gonna, you've been faithful with little. I'm going I'm to put you in charge of a lot. And he sends them off. Come on into the household of your master. Then the last one comes, and, and here he is. He says, master, here is exactly what you gave me, even trade. What you blessed me with, I am returning exactly. And the master looks at him and says, you wicked, lazy servant. At least you should have put it where I could have earned some interest on it. At least then there would be something to show for lending this to you. But as it is, there is nothing. And so he casts him out of the house. The point of this story is everything that you have that is from God is borrowed. All of it. And just handing God back that which he has given you is not enough. He is looking for a harvest. What? did you do with what he has given you? Listen, the teachings of Jesus over and over and over again hits that point that we are separated based on did we use what we had or did we not? It comes down to that over and over and over again. Then we get to the final judgment. That's where Jesus gives the warning. That which you do for him, that which you do to the least of these is done to him. That which you do not do to the least of these is not done to him. And it is those who do nothing for him that are gone. It is those that did something for him, that had a harvest, had something to show for the blessing. Those are the ones that are welcome in. Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. God is looking into his children and he is asking us to take the blessings, not just the life, not just the body, but, but the very spirit of God that he's given us. He's going to ask us, what did you do with it? Proverbs 20, chapter 4, I don't have it up there, but it says that the lazy one who does not sow while it is time will find when the harvest comes, he has nothing. The one who does not sow while it is time will have nothing in the harvest. God is looking and examining us. Are we growing? Is this abundant life in us producing a fruit? That we, and that's, that's, honestly, as we go into this season talking about thankfulness and harvest and all this stuff, that should be on our minds. Is there a fruit for God to grab from me? But more than that, also, God has not only, he's not only looking for a harvest in us that he wants to reap, but he is looking for you and I to be a part of preparing a harvest in those around us, in our family, in our friends, in our workplace. Are we advancing the kingdom in those places? So in Luke 10, chapter 2, it says, and he said to them, that's Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly 
earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what does he say? Jesus looks around and he says, oh, there are so many people who are right on that edge. They're right there. And Jesus looks at us and says, pray earnestly. That means put it at the center of your prayers. Is the, do we pray earnestly for God to send out harvesters into the kingdom, to, into the world? To increase the yield of his harvest? Do we do that? Are we a part of that? Because he's looking for that. Not just that we have a yield, but that we produce a yield in others. All right, let's be, let's be honest here. We're talking about a yield. We're talking about a harvest. Do you have fruit? You know, all of these things. So we have to ask the question, ultimately, what, what is? What is the fruit that God is looking to harvest? We have places where he talks about joy, peace, that kind of fruit. But when it speaks of the harvest, it says something very specific in a number of places. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 9.10. It says, He, that is God, who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What is God seeking to harvest? What is the fruit of our work? Well, in us, it is our righteousness. In others, you mentioned souls. That's absolutely true. Because what is, he, what is the fruit that comes out of that? Righteousness in others. Are we about transforming our lives to the righteous image of God who says, Be holy, for I am holy? Are we going out and advocating in the lives of others through gentleness and mercy and grace and love and truth? Are we trying to get them to embrace righteousness? Are we seeing transformation in the lives of those around us? Because that is what the kingdom is about, the harvest of righteousness. So look at this, Hebrews 12, 11. We're actually going to come back to these two passages next week. But he says, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness by those, for those, to those who have been trained by it. What is the fruit? Righteousness. Are we righteous? Now, inevitably, again, going back, we, we, we've been taught to think, no, I'm not righteous. There, there's no one righteous. No, not one. Exactly. That is the state of every human being outside of Jesus Christ, and you once were outside of him. But in him, you have the power to demolish strongholds. You have the power to deny sin. You have the power to do the good works that he prepared for you from before the creation of the world. That power is in you now to be righteous. That's what he's reaping out of the world later on. I really don't have a bunch of fancy words at this point. This isn't, this isn't a 3.4 point whatever sermon where I'm just listing out some nice thoughts. This, this is one where I just want to remind us and wake us up to the fact there is a harvest coming because uh, what happens, 
we as human beings procrastinate and we put things off almost, I mean, until, until it's too late, really. And what we are being warned about over and over and over again is there is a harvest. It is the righteousness uh, that is in us that God is looking for. That is what he's going to reap out of us or he's not going to reap out of us. What is, I mean, I mean over there, one of the passages, he says, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit, right? Because apart from me, uh, you can do nothing. But it says that also he will come in and he is going to cut off every branch that does not produce fruit and he's going to throw it into the fire. The fruit of righteousness. That's what he's coming to harvest. Do I have a harvest to be collected? I'm just going to read some passages in a row just about the harvest. Just listen. We're going to start in Matthew 13, go to Mark 13, Revelation 14, Matthew 3, Matthew 25, uh, and Galatians 6. Here we go. So I put another parable before them, that's Jesus, saying... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, The enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, "Hmm, Well, then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, no, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. But in those days, after that great tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a Son of Man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, and the angel who has, the angel who has authority over the fire And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside of the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all of the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, 
inherit the kingdom prepared from you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him. Saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That day of the harvest is called the great and terrible day of the Lord it is great for those who by faith have a harvest to present it is terrible terrifying for those who do not kind of interesting the image of Christ to one will be joyful and to the other horrible over and over you and I are preparing a harvest or we are not I love that imagery you notice that Christ is sitting on that throne He's sitting on that cloud with the crown on his head, and it says the angel came out and said, it's time. And he takes that sickle right through, and he brings all of his righteous in with him. But you notice he doesn't do the second half. God sends out another angel, the angel of fire. He takes the wicked. Jesus doesn't even touch him. That harvest is there, and it is important that we remember Everything that we're doing, everything that the kingdom is about is that day. We serve and minister and love and forgive 
to change lives for that day. To increase the righteousness in ourselves and in those around us. So this morning, it's not a sermon of points. It's a sermon with a question. Do you have fruit? Are you producing? Are you using what God has given you for his service? Let's stand. We're going to sing our song of invitation, asking God to come and reign in us.